tweet at Miriam O'Call. Well, my next guest is a man perhaps not broadly known in this country, but of huge importance to the music community in Ireland. A very talented musician, struck down by a virus a number of years back. He lost half his tongue and the ability to sing. He has now, however, overcome the challenges faced and released his brand new album, Cocooning Heart. Filmmaker, composer, musician, Miles O'Reilly, good morning to you. Good morning, Miriam. Thanks so much for being here. Listen, we're going to chat in a moment, but first we're going to listen to one of your songs taken from your new album, Cocooning Heart. This is Shine. Shine, Miles, that's a really beautiful song, written, I gather, as a tribute to your mum. Tell me about that and about her. I guess my mother was very encouraging of my artistic side and especially my singing. And I got away with um, not doing my homework if she could hear me singing in my bedroom. And I I did from 13 on. First time I fell in love, I I figured the best way to vent what I I was feeling was um, to sing. So she was always encouraging me to do that. And very early on in my life, I um, managed to get a record deal with a proper label, Virgin, and I did the whole thing for my 20s. And she was very supportive of that the whole way through. But then I decided I had enough. And she wasn't supportive of that. <laughs> and I kind of let her down. But I decided to film music. I loved, I love filming. I just love music inside and out. I'm a thorough fan of music. I'm as much of a fan as I am as a musician, you know. So I decided to listen for a while and look and watch and observe. And um, much to my mother's dismay. <laughs> <laughs> and funny enough, yeah, because last weekend we had Ye Vagabonds in here, a brilliant group, and, and they were talking about you and how important you are in their music production. So Mm. you're not just a singer in your own right. Tell me who else you've worked with. I I love emerging music and I love... In school, I love to say, hey, I know Jeff Buckley. Do you know Jeff Buckley? And no one else knew Jeff Buckley. And it was a big thing for me that I discovered him. And I guess I've carried that on to my into my filming career where I like to find kids busking or just at a session, they'll just pop up, pop up and I'd arrange to meet them later and film them and put them on YouTube. And that just has become a thing. And I think when I first saw Ye Vagabonds, I was running an open mic session in a woodland uh, at Body and Soul Festival and they came up and played for three hours and I was in streams of tears with how beautiful and unbelievably great they were. Uh, I I could tap these emotions. And you've worked with loads of people like Martin Hayes, Glenn Hansard. Yeah, that's they all right. sing your praises, by the way, <laughs> and have done so to me. Um, yeah, up until recently, an emerging artist, uh, Neve Burry, um, who next year everybody will know about. I've been working with her um, pretty much nonstop, but uh, very fortunate to work with the likes of Glenn Hansard and Lisa Hannigan and and them inviting me back all the time to point a lens at them. It's a huge compliment and has brought me a lot of exposure as well, you know, so... Uh, I do choose my music very carefully, though. I have to be a fan. I'll say to 
to, to kids who just email me out of nowhere so what are the chances and I'd be like well pretty good chance if I become a fan you know, <laughs> send me lots of stuff and let me listen and and same with the professional artists that contact me you know I even had Ed Sheeran contact me once and I had to say look I'm not actually a fan and I, gave, I gave the job to somebody else <laughs> Do you um, regret that? I don't at all no um, no um, uh, you know, I won't name names, but there no. have been other great opportunities like that for monetary purposes. It might have been a good idea, but that's just the way my mother raised me. It's not yeah. about the money. It's really about exploring music. That's amazing, though, because, you know, the Ed Sheeran thing and you mentioned other people. I mean, giving up big, huge names like that because you honestly don't, aren't a fan. That's pretty amazing, though. Like, there aren't many people who would do that. No, thanks, Miriam. Yeah, I... I think I definitely think it's a strength. Uh, also, mm. you know, when I could <laughs> your bank manager probably uh, said yeah. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. I'm um, I don't earn a lot of money, you know, in my job. Um, I, I prefer to, to stay just compl- have my integrity. And like I said, it's a medicine, and I like to keep the medicine pure. And uh, you mentioned back that you did have a group when you were wrong, younger. I think they were Juno Falls. That's right. Very successful, actually. Then the recession hit just as you were about to release your album. You remind me of other people I've interviewed, and sometimes you're just on the cusp of a huge break. Mm. And then it doesn't happen. What Mm. did happen at that time? The recession happened and the label I was with, Virgin, they folded, the London label folded and were quickly bought up by Universal Records. But Universal Records weren't going to take on board any artists that owed money to Virgin. And they had given me a substantial amount to record my album and flown me around the world. And I'd been in various amazing studios and met superstars, you know, mm-hmm. and put up in these gorgeous hotels and the whole time thinking, oh, yeah, I'll pay this back. Sure, I'll put, <laughs> you know, I'll put the work in. But um, I wasn't taken up by Universal. There were other artists like Jape and Duke Special and who were with me on that label and they also unfortunately were were laid off so I I decided that was time to just put focus my energy on another talent of mine and another passion of mine which was just to observe music which has um, been hugely successful hugely for you. Hugely successful. It was really immediately because I knew some great artists like Lisa Hannigan. Um, mm. She um, immediately, I started working with her um, consistently for about five years. She's so talented. Yeah, she's yeah. a wonderful person mm. to me. Five years into doing that thing in 2015, I decided I wanted to sing again. Um, but that's when I had my accident. Uh, I was abroad, I was away on honeymoon and with my wife standing on a beach and I had written eight songs into my dictaphone and um, two weeks later I was in, I was being operated on in a and I was in a coma then for a, for a month. Um, the sepsis um, had started in my tonsils. I'd, I'd gone to a very tropical, we had three months we were travelling around tropical countries, but I had this um, sore infection in my tonsils. Mm. And unfortunately, I kind of brought it on me because I was taking, sporadically taking antibiotics that I could find any, anywhere I could find them. Just like in a, in a shop in the middle of a rainforest in, in Indonesia that mm. I was like, 
antibiotics, you know, yeah. <laughs> translating it on my phone and they just gave me stuff and I just ate one or two, it went away and I left it. And that happened seven times. And I was basically the bacteria in my throat was being reinforced. It was learning. Um, I never I never completed a dose of antibiotics. So the bacteria was learning. And by the time I had gotten home on New Year's Eve, the bacteria was resistant to every single antibiotic that the doctors could throw at it. So within three days in hospital, they knew nothing was working. I had to be, they literally had to have pipes inserted into my head and into my into my face. And I looked like Robocop, where, <laughs> where this fluid was um, just pouring out. It just kept growing. And it was so close to entering the cavity where your brain sits. I know there's yeah. a name for that. Um, that I was told I had a 50% chance of making it. It was a pretty traumatic experience. Also afterwards, after I had survived, what I only learned a year later was PTSD. I had to find out all those things and being able to talk again took two years being able to. So all my plans for singing were gone uh, because half my tongue, half my tongue was 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 gone. And also the phones that I had on my dictaphone on the beach, I'd lost all, uh, the songs. <laughs> I'd lost them all. They were all gone. So it was like, OK, music career over. Um, but you've made it for recovery, which is amazing. I have. And thankfully, it's music that um, really helped me recover fully, even from the psychological trauma, because mm. it was in the hospital when I came out of the coma that I started listening to ambient music just to settle the, the noises of the hospital, which were quite erratic. And it helped me. Um, I, it's like meditation, ambient music, you know, it's... It's not there to be really noticed. It's just a smell or a feeling mm. of calmness. And um, once I left the hospital, I realised that in almost dying, I had let go of a lot of my um, things. Like I didn't, my house, my all my possessions, nothing really mattered to me. I had the worst case scenario that I thought I was going to die. So um, the only thing important to me at the time the second time going into the surgery, going through those doors, the only thing important to me was my wife and my love for her. And um, I'll just take a minute here. Um, <clears throat> so it was really hard. All I cared about was my love for her and that was it. Mm. And so once I left the hospital, it was like I was doing everything for the first time again. Like a coffee was like I was drinking it for the first time. Mm. The train up to Dublin, it was like my first time on a train. It was really exciting. <laughs> like life was exciting. It was almost like this blissful ignorance too. Like I really did let go of everything. And having to take on responsibilities again and to this day is difficult. And I, I have a process I go through where, I, oh no, I have to come into Miriam today. I'm going <laughs> to speak to her. There is a reason for doing this. And... I have to remind myself constantly that, you know, that there are responsibilities in life because otherwise I would just sink into ambient music and I would just be in that space doing it constantly. It's probably because of the huge near-death experience mm. you had, isn't it? It totally is. And being OK with that, I had a huge smile on my face. When the second surgery happened, when it was all very dramatic, I, I was ready to go and I was very careful not to not to make my wife sad because she was traumatised but I was like no I'm ready I'm fine I've had a beautiful life and she's the most beautiful thing mm -hmm. that's ever happened to me and see you now uh, but then I woke up you know mm -hmm. and it felt like nothing else um, nothing else mattered really uh, except for her for a very long time 
Glenn Hansard was very kind because he spotted that immediately and he was like, right, Miles, you're working. I'm going to get you working. And I, <laughs> I literally went to France uh, three months after leaving hospital with bandages still on and tons of antibiotics in my pockets. And Good old Glenn. Yeah. <laughs> Good old Glenn. He was like, you're working. Get you working. So I did a lot of work for him that year. He was very kind to me. It was all kind of got me going again. But it's great now you've got your new album. You've gone back to singing. That was a promise you also made your mom when she was dying. It was. It? And, and the whole time, I think, in the back of my mind, really, when I made that promise to mum uh, that she was, I think she died the next day. But at the, at, by her bed, I said, mum, I promise you I'll sing again. Because, you know, she was disappointed I'd stopped singing for five years. And I said, I promise you I will make an album again. And it'll be the most romantic album you've ever heard, you know. Um, so the album is dedicated and all the songs on it are about love, my love for her and then how that still exists and, how, and my love for my wife. Well, your mom would be so proud and your <laughs> wife <laughs> is lucky. She's so adored. <laughs> She's adored <laughs> by everyone. Yeah. yeah, which is wonderful. Well, look, congratulations to your album, Miles. It's called Cocooning Heart. It's out on the 30th of this month. It's out on the 30th of, of this month. The uh, startup label in Connemara called Doolan Arts have been very, very kind to me during lockdown and that's kind of encouraging me to get singing right. again and playing again and Doolan Arts are putting out this record. Then well done you, Miles. Thanks so much for being my guest this <laughs> Thank morning. Thank you, Miriam. Thank you. Mind yourself.